On today's episode, we're going to be talking about how the Word shapes us on Soul Zero Two. And welcome to Soul Zero Two. This is the podcast that is putting the oxygen back into the Christian life one soul at a time. And think about when a, when a plane is getting ready to land, it begins what is called a an approach or a vector. And the approach must have the right speed, the right pitch, the right aim in order to land the plane safely on the runway. So here's the question for today. What is your approach to reading the Bible? What is your approach to the Word of God? And there are two ways that we can approach God's Word. And I'm sure there's more, but I just want to give you two right now. But one is we can read it for information, right? I call it the scattered approach where we just kind of garner what we want and, and walk away. Or we can read it for formation, which means that the Word isn't just a resource that I tap, but it is a, a power that forms my, my life, my character, my heart, and transforms me. In fact, I believe that when you read the Bible with all your heart, it's impossible to read it without being transformed. So reading the Word formationally, or rather informationally, uh, looks something like this. Uh, sometimes when we read it for information, we apply psychological filters, these mental filters, and we approach it with these preconceived ideas in our heads. And now I know that it's impossible to read anything without a preconceived idea, including the Bible. However, there are rules such as a surrendered heart. When you have a surrendered heart, uh, th that comes a long way to... to to not having a preconceived idea because you're saying, Lord, even though I have this idea, I'm willing to give it up if, if you want to show me, Holy Spirit, what you're doing. So some people have what I call a judgment approach to reading the Word. Some approach the Word of God as if God is this brutal dictator. And that's a lot of famous historians who, are, who were not saved, of course, or people who are skeptical about the Bible, or they look at the Old Testament that God is this mean and angry judge. And yet others read with the idea, with a lens, or with the filter, where God is this cosmic Santa Claus, where He exists only to bless me and nothing else. Yet others approach it with a lifestyle of justif justification. In other words, uh, I read the Bible as long as it agrees with how I feel, my beliefs. And that's why a lot of people have taken the Word and they've, they've added all of these modern cultural sins to it and saying, see, you know, they really meant that, even though it says this, but they really meant that. And much of that has happened in the scriptures. I mean, God is very clear in the Bible as to what sin is, as to what a man is, as to what a woman is. And, but we can often twist those things. And some approach God as the man upstairs, right? Or as someone who maybe is only called upon when we swear. And, but with these filters also call, come in these practical angles. Uh, I'll say that again, practical angles. Say that five times, right? And when we talk about practical, practical angles, we mean the idea that we can read the Bible only as a resource of, for what we can get out of it. And in other words, for information, for technique, for models and methods of approach. And then we can harvest these things just for success. In fact, there was a book uh, many years ago uh, on the Beatitudes, 
I, I did a series on the Beatitudes and I, I bought some books just to really beef up my study. And one of them was by Emmett Fox called The Beatitudes. And I says, let me try it. It sounds interesting. And but when I read it, I realized that that his his view of, of the Beatitudes was was that they only exist to make you successful as a human being. And they're the keys to success in life. They're not part of, of, of the gospel of Jesus. They're not part of, of, of the heart teaching of Jesus, where he demands something from us. And so some people see it, uh, see the, the scriptures as a book of ethics, that it's, it's, it's a rule book just to help you make moral choices. Others see it as a resource uh, to solve my problems or to comfort me or to help me in times of need, which, hey, these things are good, right? So some of these things are good. We need that. However, if I'm only reading the Bible as a resource to be a better person or as a resource to be blessed or as a resource for God to help me, then I'm limited because I'm not being transformed by the Word of God. I'm only using it for my purposes. And that brings me to the next point. Sometimes we have these manipulative angles that we use. Some people massage the scriptures and they slant the scriptures to accommodate their lifestyle instead of surrender their lifestyle to what the scriptures say. And we have a lot of that today, you know, under, you know, un under the word grace where, well, I'm under grace so I can do A, B, or C. And we can even use the Bible to reinforce toxic things selfishness, sin, self-centeredness, false teaching, uh, modern cultural trends, you name it, we can use the Bible and manipulate it. And our own doctrinal emphasis can even, can even uh, skew God's word. Uh, you know, denominations, right? Every denomination in the Christian movement places their spin on what the word is, right? For the Catholics, maybe it's Mary. For the Pentecostals, maybe it's tongues. For the Baptists, maybe it's eternal security. For the Charismatics, maybe it's the gifts and power. And these things are okay in general, right? Um, but it just goes to show that I can place my own filter on what the word says. And I like something that N.T. Wright said. He said, God forgive us that we have taken the Bible and have made it ordinary that we have cut it down to our size. So here's what I'm saying today, that when you read the Word informationally, that's what you'll tend to do. But what about reading the Word informationally, or rather formationally, right? These two trick words here. One is informationally, one is formationally. So spiritual formation is defined this way, and this is my own definition that I've gotten through the years and my own experience. Spiritual formation is the spiritual growth process of becoming more like Jesus so that the world can become more like Jesus. And I say that on purpose because sometimes our spiritual formation, our growth, can center only on ourselves and we become this navel-gazing person who becomes selfish and self-centered and it's all about me just staying at the altar and getting blessed and you know letting God do everything and I never go win souls. But why does God change me so that I can change others? Why, why does God transform me so that I can transform others through His grace and through His power? So the Holy Spirit, the spiritual disciplines, and prayer and the Word are all vehicles of our spiritual formation. But here's the thing about the Word, and I'm coming to the heart of this today, that we can't know the Word apart from knowing Jesus. It's all intermingled. Years ago, I had a, a young disciple who had gotten saved, and he was so excited, and man, he was so obsessed with the Word of God that he, 
he made this statement once. He said, you only know salvation through the word. And I said, that doesn't sound right. I said, do you pray? He goes, not really. I said, then how can you know if you're saved? Because salvation entails Jesus. And you have to know Jesus. You have to communicate with God. And yes, we read his word. We need his word. But we also need a revelation of God in our life. So John 5.39 says, you search the scriptures because you think in them you have eternal life. And it is they who testify on my behalf. And this is Jesus speaking, that he is the word, that the word points to him. Matthew eleven twenty seven 27 says, all things have been handed over to me by my father and to no one, and rather no one knows the son except the father. And no one knows the father except the son and anyone to whom the son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all, all you who are are weary and are carrying burdens, heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. He goes on to say, take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am gentle. Notice, learn of me. It, it's, it's the word plus knowing Jesus, right? Plus having a relationship with Jesus in prayer and just being with him, sitting at his feet. Chiosin Sparks uh, was a, a famous... Um, he was a mystic. You know, mystic are people who spend a lot of time in prayer and seeking God and knowing God. And he lived over 100 years ago. And he said this, and his name is T. Austin Sparks. He said, everything for God and for us is bound up with a heart revelation of the Lord Jesus. What is he saying there? That when you spend time at Jesus' feet, something is being imparted to you that is, it is affirmed in the scriptures, but it comes alive in a way that wouldn't come alive unless you prayed and, and knew God for yourself. That's why Colossians 3.16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. So Jesus takes the word you read and he quickens it and makes it alive with power and purpose in your life. And in your prayer time, he speaks to you in, in many ways. But the transformation process, this isn't something that happens once when you go to the altar, but it's a lifetime thing, right? That involves the Holy Spirit revealing Jesus to us. So reading, re reading formationally, right? And, and we, when we say formation, we mean, we mean transformation, really. It means that if reading informationally is like being on the front porch, somebody put it this way, reading formationally is like being in, in the living room, in the house, right? So first we go to the front porch when we read it informationally and say, okay, that's nice, I know the facts. But now it's, it's going to become revelation to me where it changes my life. This is formation. And somebody put it this way, that, and I think it was Robert Mulholland, uh, he said, it's reading for quality, not quantity. It's reading for, uh, reading with depth, not shallowness, right? It's reading with the heart of surrender, not control. In other words, it's saying, Lord, read me. I don't want to just read the scriptures, but Lord, you read me, read my mail, right? It's reading with humility, not, not assumptions. And it's reading to be transformed, not just informed. That's the point. This is, this is formational reading. So how does the word shape us? And I'm going to close with this verse but, and give you a couple things. But uh, 2 Timothy 3.16 and 17, the famous scripture, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, so that every one who belongs to God may be proficient, 
equipped for every good work. So the scriptures are useful and profitable, and there are no downsides. The only downsides to reading the scriptures is to the flesh and to self. So the first thing it does is it teaches a doctrine. And there are many false teachings out there, right? During Paul's times, he struggled with false teachings and he had to battle them. And today, because of technology, deception abounds a thousand times over. On the internet, something just goes viral within seconds. And, you know, it, there could be books, there could be radio, social media, and websites. All these things can magnify deception if we're not grounded in the Word of God. So the Word teaches us by giving us the right approach to not just avoid deception, but for life, for life's problems, for people, for philosophies, for politics, for society and science. The Word gives us a foundation for all these things, but also for deception. So that when, when you know what a real dollar bill looks like, you'll know the fake when you spot it instantly. It won't be based on how you feel about it or because someone you admire believes it, but you, you see the Word for yourself. But the second thing is the Word reproves us, right? It, 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 by reproving us, and the word is correction there, or rebuke. And that's where uh, God loves us so much that He corrects us. And whether the reproof is personal or doctrinal, scriptural, uh, Scripture shows us our errors against its perfect standard, not to discourage, but so that we can walk in wholeness. Uh, the word never wants to leave you hopeless. But it wants you to have hope. But sometimes you got to get the bad news first before you get the good news, right? So the Bible is like a mirror under all those masks, and it shows us the real selves, our real selves. And the rebuke is only bad news to our, our selfish nature, our flesh, or, or our desires, but it's great news to our soul. Three, by correcting us. And we, we read it in, 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 in Timothy there. But by correcting us, right? And and correcting means to turn around your life. Correction is literally a, a restoration to an upright or right state. Think about a ship that's topsy-turvy. When you correct it, you turn it back right side up. And I think about whenever I, I receive alignment at the chiropractor, uh, he, he literally fixes the way I stand. And even the, it, it corrects the way I sleep. And it's an amazing thing. But how about spiritual alignment? The Word brings spiritual alignment into your life. And there's, there is nothing worse than working in the wrong direction at the wrong angle. And Thomas D. Lay once said, Correction is one, of, one means that God uses in order to restore people to spiritual positions they have forfeited. So have you forfeited something today, maybe in God, because you've gotten away from You've gotten out of alignment by not reading the word. Then number four is is we are we are changed by the word trains us, right? It it trains us. And so the word training in the Greek means you know for godly living. It's the same kind of discipline used by a parent to develop Christian character in a child. In this case, the kind of discipline that leads to a holy life. So remember, it says in Deuteronomy 8, 2, Remember the long way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness in order to humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep His commandments. And then verse 3 says, He humbled you by letting you hunger, then by feeding you with manna, 
with which neither you or your ancestors were acquainted in order to make you understand that no one no one does not live by bread alone that one does not live by bread alone but by every word that comes from the mouth of god know then in your heart that it is as a parent disciplines a child so the lord disciplines you so this is the same word the same idea as training for godly living that god allows us to go through things so that so that he can test us so that we can be transformed in that in that situation nothing will challenge you heal you refresh you or break you or repair you like the word of god so we find uh i want to give you a last just a last quote by by john of john of damascus he said to search the sacred scriptures uh to, uh, to search the sacred scripture is a is very good and most profitable for the soul like a tree which is planted near the running waters so does the soul watered by sacred scripture also grow hardy and bear fruit in due season so i want you to be encouraged today by this word from the lord by this word from the bible to read the word of god with all of your heart let it nourish you let it heal you, let it transform you, let it challenge you, let it correct you, let it align your life and your spirit. So if you like this podcast, please leave a like. And if you haven't subscribed, please do so on the YouTube channel especially. And also, we are on Buzzsprout. Please uh, subscribe to the audio if, if you do the audio. But so glad to be with you today. Till next time, God bless.